everybody. Welcome to, I don't know, is this episode seven, episode eight? Who knows anymore? Of Study with Steph. Um, today, we are learning about networks and who better to teach me about networks than the man himself, Justin Kennington, president of SCVOE. How are you, Justin? How's it going? Uh, I'm doing well. I, I just hope that I can live up to that introduction and I, I could teach you some things, but I hope I could teach them well enough. I think you can. Um, to, yeah, you you told me you don't have a CTS, but I thought that you would still be really helpful in teaching me um, all about this because you've got the SCBOE Academy, um, you've got SCBOE Live, so you're kind of used to taking these really dense topics and kind of making them fun and making them interesting. Um, so thought you'd be a great person to be my teacher for the day you're set in your little office. I, I told you I was nervous about being uh, being smart enough and now you tell me I have to be funny at the same time. <laughs> it's getting worse not better. Sorry that is that's actually my bad. Um, <laughs> I think we'll be okay. <laughs> um, but okay I guess first of all we could just talk about, I know you've got an SCBOE Academy of course on this, um, but could we just talk about briefly what the heck a network is? Sure. I know, I know what social networks are. Well, that's not a bad start, actually. Okay. Because, oh. because the, first, the first answer I would give is, is to set aside everything that we think we know. And let's not think about okay. the internet and computers. And a network is really okay. just a bunch of, let's say, intelligent things of some type okay. enabled to talk to one another right? That's what a social yeah. network is. I'm not saying everybody on a social network is intelligent, yeah. but, but relative to like a rock, they are. Um, okay. And some of them are intelligent, right? But it's a group of people who are, who are connected in a certain way and can exchange information. Right. Um, and, so, and so here I know what we're really getting towards is computer networks. Well, that's mm -hmm. a bunch of computers that are connected together in some way, in some topology, um, and they can exchange information with one another at its most basic level. Right. Now, now, again, trying to think in practicalities here, we're going to very quickly get to Ethernet networks, yeah. right? Because Ethernet is, is by far the dominant technology, right? If we were having this conversation 30 years ago, we might be having conversations about Norton rings and, and uh, what's the other one? I can't even think of the other stuff. But like these are, these are footnotes in history. And, and at this point, there's some really high-end weird applications for computer network, networking technologies that are not Ethernet. But the 99% yeah. use case, what you you and me and all of your listeners are dealing with every day uh, is Ethernet. So an yeah. Ethernet network um, is a bunch of computers connected together by Ethernet. Um, here's where we should probably introduce you to the concept uh, of the OSI stack. That's the, okay. oh my goodness, I can't even remember what OSI stands for. Open standards something maybe? Anyway. Go Google OSI stack and you'll learn everything okay. you want to know about it. But it's a it's a conceptual model that and, and keep that in mind. It's not it's not real. You can't go touch the OSI stack. But right. it's a conceptual model of of breaking down really computer communication um, into into different layers of complexity and of abstraction. Anyway, at the very bottom of this communication, open is systems called, interconnection. There you go. Is okay. what's called. Uh, the physical layer, right? And, and the OSI model is seven, they call them layers. And, and at each layer, something, each layer builds upon the layer beneath it and does something more complex. And the idea is you can actually, 
you can think about a communication at any one of these layers and just assume that the layers below it are going to happen, right? Because somebody else worried about that. So the physical yeah. layer is literally like, how do, what, what voltage am I going to put on this wire to make a one? And what voltage am I going to put on this wire to make a zero, right? Yeah. That's it. Or, or maybe it's what little blip of RF energy am I going to put into the air because it's Wi-Fi ones and zeros, or I'm going to shoot light down a, down a fiber optic cable, right? That's the physical layer. What makes a one and what makes a zero? So then let's assume that, okay, somebody down below there is handling ones and zeros. And all I know is I've got ones and zeros coming in. What do I do with them? Then we move up to layer one, which is the data link layer. This is where ethernet starts. Yeah. This says, okay, here's how I'm gonna interpret these ones and zeros, right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna assemble them into little, into, into words, characters okay. and things. I don't wanna go too far down that path. Um, but at some point around layer two, too. See, I told you I'm going to get the I'm going to get the layers wrong. But you know what? You put it in the show notes. Everybody can go click on a nice OSI layer diagram. Yeah, and yeah. See all the layers that I can't recite off the top of my head. Uh, you should have got a better funny. study guide. Um, <laughs> somewhere around layer two is is really where Ethernet is kind of a layer one and layer two yeah. straddling technology. Um, somewhere in layer two, you get a definition of something called an Ethernet address um, okay. or Maybe you've heard of it in its more popular name, the MAC address. Yeah. Um, right? So MAC stands for Media Access Control. And that is okay. about what's the media? That's that wire that we just talked about, right? Mm -hmm. What is access? That's am I allowed to talk on that wire right now or not? Or the control is am I allowed to or not? Um, so an interesting thing about Ethernet addresses and MACs is that they are unique for every device in the world. So think how many MAC addresses there are in the world. Um, that means every phone, every Wi-Fi connected printer, every doorbell that connects to Wi-Fi, every computer, yeah. every com maybe the computer has a Wi-Fi port, a Wi-Fi connection, and a wired connection. That's two different MAC addresses. Um, in fact, when you, if you're a manufacturer of this kind of equipment and you go to the, I think you go to ICANN to buy this stuff, you buy a block of, uh, of, of MAC addresses because you need to be assigned them and you're going to use these and nobody else can use yours. I think you buy them in blocks of 15 billion or something like that. So there's okay. a lot of them, right? It's 12, 12 bytes of data. So it's how many trillion gazillion MAC addresses are possible. Gotcha. Where was I going with this? Um, way back to the, to the low level, to the layer two ethernet networks. So now we're talking physical topology. Like how do these things plug into each other? So, so mesh is a technology that allows a wireless access point over here that's talking to 10 phones and Wi-Fi doorbells and a Wi-Fi access point over there that's got six computers and two phones and a Wi-Fi doorbell on it to talk the access points to talk to one another wirelessly okay. right so five years ago if you had if you needed multiple access points uh, I'm going to say the common method was each access point gets hardwired to a switch somewhere so we're back to physical back to wires okay um, these days as just the realities of you know homeowners want big Wi-Fi networks come into play and people don't don't either don't have their homes wired or don't want to wire their homes mm -hmm. having that wireless connection so that this guy's connected to the cable modem and that guy over there uh is not in fact i can point at one of my mesh routers uh right up there you can't see it but but i'm doing this too yeah um, it allows those it allows those wireless access points to communicate with one another wirelessly but before we bring wireless into it even and that's and or i should say really let's before we go back down to layer one, which is, is this wireless or is it wired? Yeah. Let's, let's stick around at layer two for a minute okay. and talk about 
how the devices connect to one another. Ethernet is itself sort of a, um, well, I guess in its rawest form, Ethernet is a bus topology, which means that every device ends up talking to every other device. Now I say that, but the reality is that most Ethernet systems today uh, have a little bit more intelligence in the Ethernet switch, which yeah. means that now it's a star topology. And I'm, okay. <laughs> I'm speaking, I, I, I sort of wish I'd organized myself a little bit better before no, this, you're because fine. There's, there's, a, there's a few weird paths to go down here. So um, star is where everything's connected to like a central point that's like a switcher or something, right? So you're, you're right. And here's where I'm trying to, I'm trying to really split a hair here. Okay. And talk about the difference between topology at layer one, which mm -hmm. is the natural place our brains want to go, because right. that is where are the wires, right? There's a blue wire from here to there. That's the topology. Yes. And, and the topology at layer two, which is about how do the communications flow over those wires? Okay. So if we look at layer one and we talk about how ethernet networks, which are layer two and three get implemented at layer one, then everything does look like a star. Meaning there's a switch in the middle, and, and then I got six computers or eight computers or 12 computers plugged in all around it, right? And then totally. maybe, maybe I've got the, a copy of this over there and over there and over there. I've got six stars. And then maybe I put one big switch in the middle and connect each of my stars to this new big star, right? Uh, I could do that. Um, so physically, that's what that all looks like. Now, at the most basic, at layer two level of ethernet, mm -hmm. that topology is actually a bus. Okay. Now I'm talking logically, not physically. And the yes. reason for that is the way Ethernet works is, is those devices, we've been calling them switches. And again, that's because practically that's what we're dealing with today. And I don't want to get too deep into like ancient history theory, but let's talk about it a little because there is an important distinction here. The basic device in an Ethernet network that connects multiple hosts, that's what these computers, phones, doorbells are, they're hosts, mm -hmm. uh, is called a hub not a switch. And what a hub does is when, when my little uh, computer sends a packet into that hub, that hub is just gonna repeat it out everywhere. He's gonna send it to all 12 of the other computers. He's gonna send it up to the big switch in the middle. Who's gonna do the same thing, send it everywhere. That's what a bus is. It means if, 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 if I'm a host on that network and I say something, everybody's gonna hear it. Yeah. Um, and that's very efficient in terms of getting everyone all the information. Uh, it's extremely inefficient, you might start to imagine, in terms of bandwidth, right? Because now yeah. I might say something that I, I want to say something to Steph, but there's 50 other computers on the network that have to hear it and deal with it, and they don't care about it. That's a big right. waste. So, so when we get to layer three, which is the, is that the network layer? I think it is. When we get to layer three, which is the network layer, we start to think about switches being a little smarter. Uh, sorry, yes, we think about correct. these connection devices Network being layer. a little smarter. Good, I'm correct about that, but I think I'm still actually operating in layer two. Even though I named layer three correctly, I shouldn't have stepped up to it. <laughs> we'll, step, we'll step back down. <laughs> so I think, I think we're in layer two. We're in, this would be called a layer two smart switch. Okay. Um, what manufacturers started to do many, many years ago now, 20 years ago, this was, this was doable. And, and now it's relatively ubiquitous. Now, if you need a hub for something weird, it's hard to find a hub. What you okay. have is a switch. Um, and what a switch does is it has enough intelligence to look at that packet that I send in. 
and look at that MAC address because I'm going to send it with a MAC address that says, here's where this goes. I'm, mm -hmm. I know Steph's MAC address. I want her to hear this. So I'm going to put this little MAC address on it. Um, a hub, again, would take that and send it everywhere. A switch is going to look at that MAC address and say, oh, this is for Steph. And I've got Steph connected to port seven. So he's going to take that, that packet from me to you and only send it to you. Nobody else okay. is going to see it. So now is, their time and their bandwidth isn't wasted with our communication. Okay. Go ahead. Is that where encoding and decoding comes in or am I getting ahead of myself? Well, uh, a little of both maybe. I mean, okay. encoding That's and decoding, okay. it, what, what, do we, what do we mean by that is the first thing I would ask, right? Because from a sort of electrical engineering perspective, encoding and decoding is a very broad, very generic term for an, for an extremely important thing that electronics do. But, yeah. but I suspect here we might be talking encoding and decoding related to taking audio and video signals and encoding yeah, them so into like, a network. If I send you something and I want it to just go to you, is the switcher going to like encode that signal from me and then decode it and send it back to you? Like, that, I guess that's what I'm okay, asking. Here, is that like what actually, the... It's, the question gives me a good way to talk about this actually. Okay. As you get, as you go up the layers and I'm not gonna to, to lay them all out right now. Yeah, that's okay. You start to get more and more complex data types involved. Okay. Um, what I mean by that is at layer two, we have no concept of the fact that you want to send me audio or you want to send me a picture or whatever. I don't care, man. I've got an ethernet address and I got some bits. And honestly, I don't know what the hell those bits mean. The only yeah. thing that I can encode and decode is this address. Okay. It says, here's where it belongs. And now okay. that's important because it takes a really sophisticated computing device to deal with and understand something like audio video signals. Yeah. I don't want to have to build that into every Ethernet switch in the world. Who right. doesn't care that it's audio video? His job is just get it from place to place. So when you're talking about layer two, you've got an Ethernet address and some bits and bytes that don't mean anything to a layer two device, but they're going to mean something to somebody higher up the stack. Okay. So if we skip a few, sta few stages up, you get to something called the presentation layer at layer six. And I'm going to I'm going to misuse this layer a little bit right now. I admit That's that, okay. but it's, but for painting the analogy, I think it works. The presentation layer is where we've got, okay, now we've got real user data and, and we need to encode it and get it into the network. So now that's where something like, you know, your microphone on your computer is going to, is going to have taken the sound waves in your room, turned them into a digital signal and then, and then taking that digital signal uh, and made it into a file for a computer, right? And now that yeah. file can get broken up by the lower layers, turned into packets and pushed all the way down until it's a layer two packet, you know, hopping okay. across a layer one physical link. And then at the far end right now, all the noise that I'm making right now is being encoded up there by layer six and, and layer seven is called the application layer. That's the layer that, that's the layer where I'm clicking buttons and I'm seeing a zoom screen and you know, that's the, it's called the, the application layer, right? Because yeah. that's where applications live. Um, but my data is going to kind of flow down the stack until it's just a bunch of layer two packets with ethernet addresses and some junk that no layer two device understands, but it's going to make its way over to you. Uh, and, and we've used some of the layers in between to establish, uh, hey, this is going to be a Zoom call. Hey, Justin's going to send some audio and some video to Steph so that your computer 
when that data starts filtering up the stack, knows that, oh, this must be the audio and video data I heard so much yeah. about. I know how to decode this. Okay. Uh, and then it can do that. Um, okay. I, I don't want to. I don't want to plug too heavy here, but I've got this picture in my head uh, that I know is laid out very beautifully by uh, by our head of education, uh, Matt Dodd. Um, and and anybody who wants to learn more about this, go to uh, academy.sdvoe.org. Actually, no, go to sdvoe.org/academy. Yes. Either one will work, but the latter one will get you a better looking web page. Um, and and sign up for a free account, log in, and find the course. What is a network? Um, and we've got some really nice like animations that sort of make clear this process of, of data flowing down the stack in one host and back up the stack uh, in the other. Yeah. I, I will uh, also be checking that out to help in my studies. So did, we covered all the topologies, right? The only one we didn't cover was uh, a ring. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a real thing. I don't think anybody's going to run into it uh, very often these days. There was an old networking technology, a competitor to Ethernet called okay. Token Ring. Um, and you can imagine all of the hosts in that network are connected in a big ring. So host A connects to B, connects to C, connects to D, and so on and so on. And it becomes this little game of pass the message, right? Oh. Host A needs to get a message to host F. Okay. And so he says, hey, I need to get this to host F. So and host B gets it and says, all oh, the other not for ones. me, give it to C, not for me, give it to D. You got it. You got Does it. Does that use up a lot of bandwidth, though, for the ones that didn't actually need it and just have to pass it? You got it. And, and there's okay. not practically a good way around that in a token ring topology, right? Because yeah. in, the, in the physical star of Ethernet, I can have a switch in the middle that says, you know what? Don't bother anybody else. Just get it to Steph. Okay. But in the token ring, I, every, every host has to get, every host between the two communicating hosts has to be involved. So um, if so I'm an integrator going in and specifying like a conference room or specifying some classroom or something like what's the most common thing like way to set this up would it be mesh or is there like no common is it just like a, it depends on the situation no the answer it's not that there's no common it's the answer is so much ethernet that i don't understand how to how to parse the question it's sort of okay. where i'm coming from um and that's okay uh topology is not topology at this level is not a a, a real question in the use okay. case today right meaning meaning yeah. the real question is for your application are you going to have a wired connection or a wireless connection okay right and and if we're talking about a wired connection well then then there are still topology questions right for example let's say you've got let's say you've got a a system with a hundred hosts on it all wired up well do you need to go find a single switch with 100 ports on it that would that would do it Right, that would solve the problem, but it. it would mean that every device in that building has to have a cable running back to that one switch. And is that what you want from a physical topology standpoint? Often not. Um, so instead, what you might do is break it up. You put, you know, a 24-port switch at this end of the building, and and a 24-port switch at each end of the building, and then a little switch in the middle to connect all the 24 ports. So there's still a topology question, but it's sort of it becomes a question of just how many stars and what size of stars do you want? It's no longer a question of, is it a star or is it a ring or is it a bus? Okay. Um, no, that makes sense to me. And then if it's wireless there, it becomes again, the physical layer is what's going to end up dominating that. Right. I, I mean, the most robust, most reliable way to connect anything is, is with a cable instead of, instead of wireless. Okay. Um, and yet wireless has so many benefits that it's extremely common. So 
you know, if you're working on a, a, a large commercial facility, you know, a, a corporate headquarters type situation, I, I imagine that none of those are using mesh networks to connect their Wi-Fi access points. Every one of those access points is connecting with a wire to a switch, right? And then the, and then the access point just connects wirelessly to the, to the end hosts, right? That's okay. because that's, that's a case where the infrastructure is driving it, right? Meanwhile, mm-hmm. here, here at this home that I moved into six months ago, and I'm lazy and I'm behind on projects anyway, like I am not going to go through the hassle of, of, of pulling cat six cables and running, you know, multi-gig networks to several points in the house so that I can guarantee good Wi-Fi coverage yeah. when there's good mesh networks, you know, for, for a few hundred bucks, you get three access points, you sprinkle them around the house wherever you've got power cables, uh, power plugs and, and yeah. off you go. So that's how yeah. that decision really gets made. First it's wired or wireless. And then, and then the infrastructure, where, where can you, and where will you put cables is what's going to determine okay. the details of the, of the, of the topology. That makes sense. So does that move us into talking more about ethernet? Uh, sure. We can do okay. that. Um, okay. Although we, we, we covered kind of a lot of it. Yeah, we did. Um, but, but we still wanted to talk about LANs and WANs, right? And let's get, let's get to layer three. Okay. Is a LAN what's most commonly with Ethernet? Are those two usually? I'm thinking about this wrong. I already know. No. Well, yes, but that's okay. That's okay because that's that's what we're that's what we're here to do. Yeah. Um, the way to under let's go back to the OSI model for a minute. Okay. And remember that the the real key to understanding the OSI model is that each one of those layers is totally independent and totally modular. Okay. And at any time, you could rip one of those layers out and replace it with something different that serves the same function, and everything would work. So I told okay. you, token ring has been dead for thirty years, and that's and mm-hmm. that's true. But meanwhile, if I if I built a network and we were trying to have the Zoom call, and I mean these days it would be hard to find the hardware, but 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 if I connected my computer here via token ring to my cable modem, then it would I would not be using Ethernet. But you and I would still have this conversation because yeah. on your side, all you care about is what happens at layer seven, right? And somewhere down here, the fact that I didn't use ethernet doesn't mean anything to you. Right. Um, how did I get off on this? Um, going over lands and lands. Yeah, so let's go back to layer two for a minute. Okay. And, and the definition of a local area network um, is those, how do I wanna say this? is that set of hosts that are connected together on the same, I'm gonna say hub for a moment. And I talked about how, what hubs are and that we don't really use yeah. or have hubs anymore. But you plug all those things in on a hub together um, and that's your local area network. It's the devices that can all hear each other, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so now let's step to modern networking um, and the fact that most of the time you're connecting to a switch, not a hub. Uh, and that's where we should we should point out that there are there are three types of, do I want to call that ethernet? I don't think I do. Yeah, but I guess it is. There are three types of, of ethernet. This is kind of a layer two, layer three mixy stuff, uh, which I know I just said shouldn't exist, but I'm also not uh, expert enough at this. Um, there are three types of communication that can happen in layer two and three ethernet. The one that I think we all would sort of take for granted and kind of just immediately come to mind is called yeah. unicast. And that is, and that is me talking to Steph, and nobody else is involved in this conversation, right? Um, yeah. There's another kind of communication called broadcast, 
This is what hubs do all the time. But a broadcast is I'm going to send a message and I need everyone here to hear me, whether they like it or not, whether they're tuned yeah. in or not, they're going to hear it. Right. Okay. So this is me getting out my bullhorn and saying, this is my packet. Okay. Um, and then there's, and then there's the third kind is what this podcast is. It's called multicast. This is, this is a conversation between me and Steph right now, but anyone who wants to tune in just has to set their, you know, set their radio dial to 14, 10 AM and they're going to hear it. Yeah. But if they're not interested, they can turn off their radio. They can tune to a different station and they won't hear it. Gotcha. Right. So the way multicast works, and this will be really important when we talk about AV over IP in the morning, but that means that if I need to send something that many people might be interested in, I can send it to the switch and the switch now keeps a list of who's interested. And if you're interested, you come tell the switch, I want to hear that. And now the yeah. switch will send it to you as well as, as the other person that wanted to hear it. Um, I say all that because now you understand what broadcasting is. And another way to define the local area network is it is equal to the broadcast domain. Meaning if I send a broadcast, everyone who receives that broadcast is the LAN. Okay. Right? So then the WAN is, now we're into layer three, the networking layer. Yes. Layer three is called, to me, it's called the networking layer because it is the layer that connects networks. It's not the layer that creates networks. That's layer two. Yeah. But the layer that connects networks is layer three. So now I've got a broadcast domain over here. You've got, in fact, this is, this is true. I have a broadcast domain right here in my house. I've got a local yeah. area network that has the PC we're talking on. It's got my phone. It's got my, my wireless access, my, my doorbell, right? right. And you have a, a, a local area network. I, it, I'm guessing you're in the office unless, uh, I am. unless everyone that works for Rave is also obsessed with Star Wars. Um, you know, I, I do like it, but I wouldn't decorate my house with it. Gary, as I said, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing, I'm guessing that you're at the office right now. Um, and <laughs> yeah. your office and your office has a LAN. It might have multiple LANs, uh, but you're on one of them right now. Your PC is connected to it. Your phone is connected to it. The wireless yeah. access point, whatever is all connected to it, but we still need to talk to each other. Right. So if I, if I, if my device sends a broadcast and there are a few sort of like housekeeping reasons it might do that none of your things are gonna hear my broadcast. Uh, the internet would be a mess if every device in the whole world uh, were able to broadcast to every device in the whole world. Right. Uh, so the, so the, the wide area network uh, is, is really, it's what happens outside of the LAN. It's how networks talk to each other. And so your router is the device that translates from a LAN to a WAN. Okay. Right. And now in some sense, how do I want to say this? Here I've got my LAN and my router has a port connected to my LAN. All my devices are talking to that router. But now my devices need to talk to somebody in the outside world. So what they'll do is they'll go to the router and they'll say, hey, router, I want to I want to download Justin's Facebook page because he wants to see it. Yeah. Right? And so the router says, OK, cool. I got I got you, fam. Yeah. Um, and that router is going to turn around to actually another local area network which is the local area network comprised of all of the cable modems in my neighborhood and, and the like broadcast head in from my cable modem provider, right? That's actually another local area network. Yeah. And there's a router on that network that's gonna translate to some fiber optic backhaul from Comcast, head, from Comcast local office down to New York City and you know, some big fiber switching station, right? And, and we're gonna kind of hop from, from, from smaller land to bigger land until okay. we get on some, you know, 
transcontinental length that gets me down to the Facebook data center in Georgia or wherever it is. Okay. Um, and a request is going to pop in there that says, hey, Justin wants his Facebook page. Can you send it down? And now those computers are going to do the exact same thing in reverse. And what's going to happen is eventually that packet's going to make its way to my router again saying, hey, somebody asked for this. And my router knows, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember Justin's phone asked for that. And it's going to okay. drop that packet back to my phone because he's been keeping okay. a list of everything yes. that everybody asked for. Okay. And I know, okay, I should see a response from this and a response from that. Okay, here, oh, here it comes. Yeah, okay, that was from Justin's phone. Okay, this one goes to Justin's computer. Uh, yeah. That's what the router's doing back on the local area network. So a router gotcha. translates between the LAN and the WAN. A router always has two, I was about to say Ethernet. In theory, it could be anything, but in reality, okay. it's Ethernet. has it's two Ethernet, Ethernet ports, okay. one for the LAN and one for the WAN. And, okay. and, and, and his job is to, tr is to live on both networks, as a host on both networks, but to serve all those devices on the local area network by providing them with traffic flow to the outside. Okay, got it. And there are like a lot of other ANs too, but are they just kind of subsets of either a LAN or a WAN, like a campus like area network and a metropolitan area network? Are these just like... I'm gonna I'm gonna make some hopefully intelligent guesses now, but I want to preface this by saying that I'm I'm guessing, and I'm not a, a true expert in that. But I think that in the sort of rubber meets the road real world of logical Ethernet, there's only the LAN and the WAN. Okay. But I just told you how how as my traffic goes from here to the Facebook data center, I'm gonna yeah. traverse a lot of very different LANs that are a lot of very different sizes and scales, physical sizes and scales. Right. You know, some somewhere somebody's got a, a 400 kilometer fiber optic link from here to, to New York City. Right. Totally. That's although it's 400 kilometers long, it's still just one wire. It's still just part of one network somewhere. Right. Um, and so so I think that when you talk about, you know, campus scale uh, uh, area, campus area network or metro area network. In some basic Ethernet sense, these are just local area networks sitting over top of smaller local area networks of a certain size themselves. I think that's all that that means. And it's not, okay. it's not a, 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 a purely and concretely defined term in, in ethernet uh, okay. uh, context. Okay. No, that, I mean, that makes sense to me. Um, it would make sense that it would just be like a localized version of that. I'll, that... Uh, yeah. I'll warn you, my guesses always make a lot of sense. Um, <laughs> sometimes they're drastically wrong. I don't think so. Oh, I never minor... think so usually wrong so we're doing we're doing fine we're fine <laughs> so back to ethernet can i ask you about like the connections because i've like in when i was the way that i even figured out what an ethernet was or what i thought it was was in college because if your campus wi-fi wasn't working your your university computer came with an ethernet cord and you could just plug it in wherever on campus if you were like having trouble with the wi-fi that day so i just thought an ethernet was like an internet cord and that's just what i thought ethernet was well and that's what you're reflecting there is the is the realities of the world that i'm that i'm trying to describe right yeah like when you i forget when you asked me before like well what topology am i going to use the answer is always ethernet there's no other answer not in reality yeah. you can't actually go buy a token ring interface card today yeah that doesn't that's not a thing like it's a theory right. at this point so right. so that's why in your head internet and ethernet became the same thing because yeah in some practical sense they have become the same thing even though they're not 
technically the same thing. Yeah, I get that. So what does that leave so, us with a question? Like with, so with the, what is the cord, the cable that you use? Is that, what is that called? Well, so uh, here again, uh, in, in theory, you know, kind of use whatever. Ethernet is a layer two phenomenon that makes no statement about layer one, the physical layer, the cable layer. Okay. Right. Okay, Justin, but let's talk reality. Um, but in reality, Ethernet gets implemented in, in I'm going to say three popular ways, and maybe I'm okay. missing something, but one of those is Wi-Fi, where there's no mm -hmm. cord. One of those is uh, over category cable, which is the kind of thing that you were touching, and we can touch on more. Uh, and the third of those would be fiber optic cables. Okay. That makes sense. So Yeah, so what you were dealing with there, I'm sure, was uh, 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 an unshielded Cat5 patch cord terminated in 8P8Cs, more commonly and not technically correctly known as RJ45s. Okay, so, so like what's the most common name for that? RJ45s? Yeah, people will call that an RJ45, but technically the RJ45 is what you plug into, and the thing on the end of your oh. cord is an 8P8C. Oh, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. Okay. File file that yeah. under knowledge that's not super useful, but one day <laughs> one day if you need to impress a nerd in a bar, you can when I'm on Jeopardy one day, <laughs> that'll that'll be the question. And I'll be like, okay, because Justin told me mm -hmm. I'm gonna get this right. So you talked a little bit about how fiber optics were sort of common when it comes to like connecting Ethernet as well. And is that that's a twisted is that a twisted pair? Nope, nope. Twisted pair is your oh. category cable. I could, I could have, and should have used that term actually, right? Twisted okay. pair is about two, a, a pair, two pieces of copper that are twisted around each other. And your your typical Ethernet uh, installation uh, will use four such pairs, so eight total okay. conductors. Okay. Right. In fact, that's what the eight in eight P eight C is about. That's eight positions and eight conductors. Got you. So then, where? So then, what are what are what are fiber optics? So fiber optic is a, is a, well, at its base is a single thread of glass. Um, and instead of putting electricity through it, we're gonna shoot light through it. So at one end of the wire, I've got a, a high-speed laser turning on and off. And at the other end, I've got a little photodiode receiving those little on and off pulses. And those are my ones and zeros, right? So instead of a high voltage, low voltage, I've got some light and no light. Okay. Um, and of course, there's many variations of that. You might have multiple strands of fiber in a single jacket. You might have multiple different colors of laser in the same piece of glass being received by different colors, let's say, of receiver. Okay. Um, but practically, that's what that is. So okay. what, you, what you'll see in the real world, and I would, I would argue that fiber optics are very common. Um, however, it's about back, it's back to that question of size and scale. Right in in your university, in your in your corporate uh, uh, boardroom or or desk anywhere, um, practically you're going to see a copper, a twisted pair connection, available you know in a little jack on the wall to plug your laptop, to plug your desktop into. Um, however, that's going to run back to a switch somewhere. We talked about that multiple star topology. Yep. Um, most of the time, after you leave that first switch, and when we start connecting switches to one another. That's mm -hmm. where you're going to see your fiber optic connectivity. Okay. Uh, because fiber optics offers you more bandwidth, um, usually smaller and more lightweight cabling um, and distance. Uh, and that's, that's crucial, right? Because now when we're talking metro scale networks or larger than that, right? And we're talking mm -hmm. about the, the undersea cables and things, things that run hundreds of kilometers uh, of just cable. 
Um, that's all fiber optics. So copper can't do that. Okay. So but it's still, fiber optics let you, they go ahead. do longer distances. Longer better. distance, higher bandwidth. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense to me. See, I thought fiber optics were like the things where like, like my dad had a fiber optic Christmas tree and it like the needles were fiber it's, optics and they lit is, up. They lit up. It is precisely the same technology. Oh. Because what that what those needles are is a little thin piece of glass with a light on one end that you don't see. You know, somewhere inside that tree is a light source, mm -hmm. and that glass carries the light all the way to the tip where it shoots out the tip, and you see a little sparkly. Okay, okay, that actually really makes sense to me now. So imagine now, imagine if that if that light source were just turning on and off very fast, and those mm -hmm. are your ones and zeros. That's it. That's the whole thing. Okay, okay, right. we've got it. Okay, we're doing great. My only other questions are like putting this like into perspective of being an integrator and like like how do you know like which one to use when you go and you like specify a space? Like how do you know? Like does that a, does that make sense? Yeah. Um I, I mean big picture you're asking the right question because one of the things that's really important, I mean, my world is AV over IP, yeah. um, which is exactly where, you know, AV and all these IT questions kind of collide with one another. Um, and one thing that, that we preach in the SDVOE Academy is it's very important to design the network, you know, to think of it as a design problem, to not just buy a switch or buy two switches and then plug the computers in and see what happens, but instead to think yeah. this through, which is exactly the question you just asked. So how do you do that? Well, you have to, you know, there's some art and science to it, but of course it's, you, first you got to gather the data, right? It, like designing anything, what are the requirements? What do we need yeah. it to do, right? That means how many hosts do we need to connect it to? You know, is this just six computers or is it, or is it 52 computers and 12 wireless access points with another hundred computers and, and that wireless doorbell that I keep bringing up for some reason? <laughs> Um, you know, so do you how have many one? Hosts? Is that why you're so obsessed with them? Or do you want one? Like I have two actually. And I guess as I indicate this direction in my, where I happen to be sitting in my house and I'm just thinking yeah. of like stuff, like, I guess I've, the, there's a doorbell over there. I guess that's what's, that's why. I don't know. <laughs> um, anyway, I've got the, uh, the Arlo, uh, which finally got connected to Apple home kit. So now that's all like nicely integrated and and when somebody rings the doorbell, actually, if somebody rings the doorbell right now, the HomePod right next to you is going to go off and you're going to hear it ding dong. So wow. we'll see. I should have shut that off before the show. That's sorry. Right. Nobody, okay. nobody visits. Um, sorry. What are we talking about? <laughs> Why doesn't anyone visit know. me? <laughs> uh, that's a question for your therapist and maybe not one for me. I'm sorry. What, I would, what was this? Who? What are we doing here? I thought. Did I misunderstand? I don't want to. I don't want to do your job, but let's try and reel this back to your question. Yeah, please. How did we get here? A, I said AV over IP because you. Oh, how do you how do you design a network, right? Well, it's yep. complicated. And go check out SDVOE Academy because we have a course on it. But how many hosts do we need? What kind of bandwidth does each host need to be provided with? Um, which of those hosts need to communicate with one another, and and with how much bandwidth? And I'll explain that why that's important in a minute. And then, and then as we talked about the, the actual physical topology, where can I run wires? Where do I yeah. want to run wires? You know, when, would I be better off with just one big wire going from this end of that building to the other? Or do I really want to have 52 wires crossing the whole thing? 
Uh, these things all enter into it. Uh, yeah. but, but the most interesting consideration I would see, say, and, and the most important to really get a grip on, especially in an AV over IP world, is, is which devices need to communicate with, with which. Because what, what usually ends up happening, um, and this is, this is standard best practices for IT, mm-hmm. um, and it doesn't always work for AV, is the link between two switches is probably not enough bandwidth to carry all of the possible traffic generated by those hosts. Yeah. Right. I'll break that down into some, just some, some real numbers. Let's say I've got a, a 48 port switch which is a very common size and it's got a bunch of one gigabit connections. Um, so, so in theory, in one direction, remember it's actually all bi-directional, but in one direction, that's 48 gigabits of traffic that I might generate. Okay. Um, it might be very common to connect that switch to another switch with a single 10 gig link. Uh, or maybe with a single 40 gig link, but that's still not 48 gigs, right? And that's okay because, you know, most IT traffic, A, most IT traffic is never using its full gigabit of bandwidth all the time, right? Yeah. You know, it, you send something to the printer, you hit go on an email, you download a web page, and then you read the web page for five minutes and no traffic's coming to you, you know? Yeah. Um, so real traffic on normal computers is very bursty. Okay. And that means that the chances of all 48 computers needing all of their bandwidth at the same time is very low. And furthermore, even if that happens, what we can do is just, oh, well, we'll just wait two seconds and then Steph's email will go out, right? right. But it'll still get there. And yeah. that's all fine. Okay. When we introduce AV over IP into this mix, that the equation really starts to change, right? Because now I've got a device blasting out a video stream at, at 900 megabits per second. Yeah. And it's going to keep blasting it until the show is over. Yeah. You know, it might be it might be on for 3 or 4 hours. I might have 48 encoders on that same switch all blasting 900 megabits per second. Yeah. It, suddenly overwhelming that uplink becomes a very real possibility. And there's no replay in live AV. There's not like, oh, wait, wait, can you just can you just rewind? Can you send me those packets again? Like nobody. Those packets are gone. We're on to the next thing now. Yes. Um and so so that really changes how networks have to be designed when you want to accommodate AV over IP. Uh, it means that you need to plan the bandwidth from, from encoder all the way to decoder. And now again, here's, here was my, my point back in designing the network was you need to think about which devices need to talk to which devices and at which bandwidth. Yeah. Right? So now imagine maybe I've got 24 encoders on that switch, but I've got 24 decoders on that switch. Maybe even though the switch needs to connect up to the broader internet because the devices want to talk to the internet uh, mm-hmm. or the devices want to send, you know, maybe a stream or two, maybe most of the traffic is, is inside that switch, right? And if all these guys are just firing at each other and not using the uplink, mm-hmm. then I don't need a lot of uplink. I can yeah. live, live with that normal sort of IT approach of, 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 of not having enough uplink to support everything and that'll yeah. be okay. And that's, and that's really pretty common. If you think back to the world of matrix switches, um, you know, you'd have, you might have multiple switches connected together uh, and this single matrix switch can send any input to any output, do anything he yeah. wants all the time. But then maybe he's only got one link to that other switch. So now you have to decide, well, which of these sources do I want to send over the uplink, right? Which is what that looks yeah. like. Um, so, and so it, it becomes the same kind of problem in AV over IP and network design. Go ahead. Yeah. So I guess my last question is like, I know, you know, like we talked about, um, you don't, you've never taken the CTS test. You are 
teaching me just because you know a lot about this. So I wanted to ask if you had any other advice for me or anyone listening or watching about like how to learn more or delve a little bit deeper into this if needed. Um, from what I understand, from what I understand, uh, 43% of the answers on the CTS exam are C. So if you don't know and you have to guess bubble in C, uh, that's one tip. Um, yeah. And other than that, like I said, I don't, I don't want to get pluggy, but, but the, the reason I've learned some of this stuff is because SDVOE is really focused on education. We understand that, that uh, sort of part, our, a big part of our challenge in the market is we're saying AV over IP is, is important, is good, but it's a vastly new way to think about things and do things. And that's, and that's scary for the designer yeah. who, who knows how to build a matrix switch and has been doing it for five or 10 or 20 years. Yeah. And is confident that when I put it, when I design in this matrix switch, I'm not going to get screwed because it doesn't work. Yeah. You know, even if that person well understands the benefits of AV over IP, it's scary to do it the first time. Totally. Uh, and so that's why we, we've built a lot of education to, to close up that, that knowledge and that skills gap uh, that, that, that we see exists between AV professionals and IT professionals. And, and I think that the, the folks who are going to be the most successful in this industry going forward are those who, who can understand the concepts on, on both side of that. Um, and, okay. and that doesn't mean that every person out there needs to be a Cisco certified network architect. Uh, that's not what we're talking about, but you need to be able, you need to know how to work with the IT team. And, and for that, you need to know how to speak their language and, and be involved in the conversation. Uh, yeah. And that's the, that's the level of knowledge that we're trying to build for people at the, at the SDVOE Academy. Yeah. No, I feel that. Uh, well, Justin, that, that was all the questions I had. And I think we're about out of time, but I wanted to thank you so much for hopping on here and um, going over this with me. It was really helpful. I, uh, I enjoyed it. I hope, I hope you get comments from your users and that, and that none of them brutalize me too much for some of the ways I kind of stretch some of those concepts in my, in no, my I mean, so far they've, everybody's been pretty, uh, nice about me and like the fact that I don't know anything about anything so if they're nice to me they'll be great to you yeah but you positioned yourself as like you know hey I don't know anything I'm gonna try this they're like oh good job trying and then you're like this guy's a real expert wait till you hear how smart he is like I got a lot to live up to everything wrong exactly (laughs) that's well we'll no I it was no I think that you at least like what I really wanted from you is to help me frame my thinking and you did Okay. So I really appreciate it. And uh, I will link the SCBOE Academy um, link in the description. And I will put a copy of the, the layers. What is that called again? The, the OSI model. The OSI model. The seven layer burrito there. of networking. Yep. I'll put that in there. And um, so, yeah, I will also be logging into the SCBOE Academy. I have an account and I will Excellent. be watching some of those videos because I'm Check sure those will be able to help me as well. Uh, but and tell us what again. you think. I will. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. Study with Steph because she's the best. She's going to help you get your CTS. Yeah. Ain't nothing can keep me down. Stephanie.